nature of God. And we're, if you've been following us in your books, we, we are in, towards the end of chapter 6. We didn't quite finish chapter 6. We're under, uh, chapter 6 is called The Knowledge of Him. And we'll be under the section heading, Never Leave His Presence. And so uh, just about a, a page and a half left of uh, pa- uh, chapter 6. Anyway, uh, thank you for following us and, and listening in. Um, just so you know, we have our <coughs> excuse me previous Bible studies archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And then, uh, uh, anyway, uh, that's how you can follow us there. Uh, so again, we're going to be follow, uh, continuing our Bible study here on the true nature of God. And uh, once we make sure we're all dialed in here, we'll get started. So just make sure we are connected. So again, you can follow us on our website. Everything's archived there. You can also give and donate towards our ministry so we can continue bringing these worldwide. And so, um, we're good? Yep. Okay, so uh, Sherry's going to read for us, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. All right, never leave his presence. When my wife and I first started ministering, we didn't know come here from Sikkim about faith. We hadn't heard of faith teaching, and yet we saw people healed, finances supplied, and every kind of miracle you can imagine. I can't really tell you how it happened, except that we were just seeking God with all of our hearts. I guarantee you that goes a long way toward releasing the blessings of God into your life. We didn't know a whole lot about faith techniques, but we knew Him and were continually seeking Him. It's a shame, but many times when people learn things about God over the years, they start to substitute the knowledge they have about God for intimate relation with Him. Relationship with Him. When people are first born again, it seems like everything works for them. They pray and they get just about anything they ask for. Miracles are happening and then after a while, they seem to dry up. They go back to the people who led them to the Lord to inquire why. Sometimes they are told, well, the honeymoon's over. Now you have to start growing up and getting things the way everybody else does. But what really happened was there was a period of time when their minds were so straight upon, so stayed upon God, they were just walking in His presence. They had a conscious awareness of Him, and they were overwhelmed with His love. And faith works by love, Galatians 5, 6. Through hard knocks, not knowing the Word of God, and Satan coming at them with problems, they moved away from that first love and began to see things fall apart. And then the religious folks told them that's the way it's supposed to be, that God is doing this to grow them up, teach them, and mature them. The truth is we can live in a realm we are, where we are so intimate with God that things will work for us. And I believe that's the way of life God has drawn His people into. Why we are talking about knowing God. If we really focus on knowing God, everything else will work out of that. We need knowledge of God's Word because His Word reveals His true nature. But when the Word becomes technical details and formulas concerning the mechanics of Christianity, we have lost our focus. We are doing things in our own strength and not His. We are trying to impress Him with works instead of being impressed by His works and who He is. If you develop your personal relationship with God to the point you understand how much God loves you, It would not be hard to believe he's going to supply your $50 grocery bill, heal the corn on your toe, and draw your unsaved loved ones into the kingdom. Those who are struggling to receive from God just need to know him better. When they really know him, they will be totally convinced of his love and his commitment to them. Then they will have no fear that he won't meet the needs in their lives. There's a lot in there that's really good. Uh, you know, this one, a couple of thoughts that were just going to my mind as uh, Sherry was reading. You know, this is a walk of faith. We don't just receive faith to receive grace and uh, to receive Christ. We do, but it's a walk of faith. It's a lifestyle of faith that just shall live by His faith. And you know, and faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So as we have a relationship with God, His who is the Word, you know. 
I believe we should be in the in the literal word, but actually, at the same point in time, we can be in the word and not actually be in the literal word in one sense, because His word is in our heart. For example, I used to work a lot of retail, and I would I would be thinking scripture. I would even be in my own mind preaching messages where I'm I'm stocking shelves, you know, and whatnot. And I just my mind was on the word. My mind was on Him, and. Uh, now, uh, that wasn't ideal. I'd rather, just, I'd rather not be stuck in the shelves. I'd rather just be able to focus on him. But, uh, like, you know, life goes on, and, and, and I had a job, and I needed to work. But you can be, be occupied with him all day long. If you've ever fallen in love, you can be occupied with the one you love all day long, no matter what you are. And sometimes you're no good because you're, you can't think straight. You're, you're just thinking about that person. I mean, some of us love, you know, those of you who are parents, you love your kids and whatnot. Your mind is always on them. Your mind can always be on something. Sometimes the things you worry about, your your mind is stayed upon that stuff. Uh, and so you're thinking about that <coughs> every waking moment you have and sometimes throughout the sleep and sometimes you don't even get sleep because you're thinking about it. And so it's a walk of faith and, and, uh, and so we need to be in relationship with God. Yes, the devil's going to throw things at us and, and life is going to throw things at us. Andrew teaches and another teachings of you know if you're not running to the devil maybe you're going to the in the same direction you know and so uh, life is going to throw challenges uh, that's just part of life uh, uh, you know it, it's not God teaching us stuff God doesn't use evil to teach us stuff uh, but but God uh, but God can uh, um, through our relationship with God we can learn how to navigate through the, some of the issues that we have. And, you know, even to another point, you know, we don't have to worry that God's going to meet our needs. He says in Matthew chapter 6 that don't even give thought what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, and, and, and where you're going to live. Uh, your Heavenly Father knows that you need these things. So seek first the kingdom of God. If we just have a relationship with God, <coughs> we're going to know how extravagant His love is towards us. You know, it's be, it says in First John 3, 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. I mean, I don't have to even think twice whether Sherry's going to help meet my needs and take care of me within the realm that she can. And, you know, uh, you know, I don't like I have a high expectation for her. I just know. I just know she's going to uh, have, have my back and different things. I just know. Because I know her love of me. Now I know that that might be foreign to some people because maybe you don't have someone in your life like that. And you know, I didn't always have Sherry in my life, and so I, I, I you know, but I did have a good family and whatnot. But you know, uh, when you know God, and that's why we focus so much on a relationship with God. When you begin to know Him and know Him intimately, you know, know Him. Uh, you just know that he's going to meet your need. You, you know, whatever, no matter how big or small the issue is, God is going to be with you. Um, and so he's got this. And so, uh, but it's so easy to get our eyes off Jesus and get our eyes on the storm, the problem, the issue, the, 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 the challenge, or whatever it might be. And sometimes it's just easy to get occupied with life, especially in this time. Of yeah. I mean, this has been a totally different uh, Christmas season than normal because of COVID and everything else going on. But usually during this time of year, most people are pretty busy uh, traveling, seeing family. Uh, I'm a, when I worked retail, this was a, a horrible time of year uh, because I was just working so many hours and whatnot. I never really got to enjoy the, the, the holiday season because I was uh, so occupied with work. And, and when I was off, I was sleeping. And so, uh, you know, and so anyway... Uh, you know, relationship with God is so key. But as she was reading, I was also thinking of Jeremiah chapter 17. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there briefly. I'm just uh, going to spend some time with this uh, just for a minute as we kind of close out chapter 6. Because um, he talked about faith. And whenever I think of faith, I, th I think of this chapter. You know, faith has a lot to do with trust. Uh, faith has a lot to do with relying on God or, or relying on something. Um uh, faith has a lot to do about resting in God. Uh, and those are some interchangeable words I use. But uh, Jeremiah chapter 17, uh, God makes a comparison between a blessed man and a cursed man. And the cursed man is this. Thus says the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusted in a man and makes flesh his arm. I'm reading out the King James. And whose heart departed from the Lord. For he shall, not, he shall be like the heath 
or the bush or the shrub in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in the salt land not inhabited. But verse 7 says, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh. <coughs> but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. So again, there's a comparison between someone who's blessed and someone who's cursed. And the, the, the cursed man is trusting in man for his strength. Now, our, our, most translations say the flesh for his strength. Trusting in the flesh can mean you're trusting yourself or you're trusting others or both. It's, you're trusting anything but God. Uh, and your, your trust, your reliance is on there. Uh, your faith is in them. Sometimes you, you have more faith that everything's going to fall apart than you are that God's going to meet your needs. Uh, that's called unbelief. It's belief that's un. Uh, and so, uh, but uh, it's it's still a form of faith. It's just the wrong faith. Uh, but and then and then uh, the one who's blessed is the one whose trust is in the Lord, <coughs> and whose hope or trust the Lord is. He's he, and then and here's a picture that he paints. The one who's trusting in man, he's like a shrub in the desert. When the heat comes, it just shrivels up. It, it's in a parched place where there's no one. Uh, Shall inhabit the parched place in the wilderness. Uh, that's in uh, that's inhabited, but the blessed man is like a tree planted by the waters that spread out her roots by the river and shall not see the heat when it comes, and her leaves shall be green even in a year of drought. You know, whenever I teach on this, I teach that both the blessed man and the cursed man have a blind spot. You know what a blind spot is? If you're ever coming into an intersection and you can't, well, uh, that's a blind intersection. But a blind spot when you're driving, you're driving a car. And it's always been one of my pet peeves uh, when someone just drives in that blind spot uh, where you, you can't see them to the right or left. Uh, you can't see them in the rearview mirror. You have to actually turn and see to see if you see them. When they're just riding in that spot, I get either they got to pass you or you're passing them so you can, someone's going to be in the blind spot. When they, but when they just stay right there, I don't like that. Um, our car that we have, it has a it gives us a warning when someone's in a blind spot. So I kind of like that. Uh, it prevents an accident. But a blind spot, you know. And so what do I mean by blind spot? Well, let's look at it. Verse 6. That's why I like the King James here. For he shall be like the heath in the desert. A heath is just a shrub in the desert. And shall not see when the good cometh. The good is coming to the cursed man, but he doesn't see it. Why doesn't he see it? Because he's focused on anything but God. He's focused on life. He's focused on man for his strength. He's focused on himself. His focus is not the Lord. His trust is not the Lord. His trust is in man. And he doesn't see the good when it comes. It's coming to him. It's coming to both. Uh, but he doesn't see it. Well the, well, the blessed man also has a blind spot. Uh, midway in verse 8, it says, And shall not see when the heat cometh. The heat is coming to both. See, the good and the heat is coming to both men. But the blessed man is not focused on the heat. His focus is on the Lord. And he, 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 not, he says, shall not see the heat cometh. And not only that, her leaf shall be green, shall not be careful in the year of drought, and never cease of your fruit. You know, the, the, the cursed man is just like a shrub. He's just existing in the desert. But the, the, the one who's trusting God is specifically planted by the river. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a, that, that tells me a lot of things. First of all, uh, you know, God will uh, specifically plant you where you need to be to be fed, to be nourished in a good church, a good pastoring. If not, sometimes he might relocate you. To, to, so you do get good nourishment. You know, <coughs> once in a while we'll, we'll do some planting, and sometimes you know, where we planted a, 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 a plant or some vegetation, it just was not in a good spot. It's just not getting the right sunlight or the right shade, amount of shade. And so sometimes we'll replant it in a specific spot so it gets be it, it's better taken care of. You know, and sometimes you, you know, it's insanity to keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. And so sometimes you've got to make some changes. But, you know, plant, planting also is, uh, when you plant something, you specifically plant it. I mean, I understand you can just throw out some seed. 
but at the same point in time, uh, most gardeners, most farmers, they specifically, we have a lot of farms around our area, and I just, uh, I don't necessarily watch and see everything they do, but I've seen already some farms where they've already changed the vegetation. They've already harvested it, and then they plowed it, and got it prepared and planted new seed, and over a little period of time, uh, he got some, a new, a new harvest, a new, you know, a new crop coming through. And so, you know, they, they, they don't just scatter the seeds, they specifically uh, prepare them so they specifically are planted in a, a certain way so they get watered properly, they get sunshine or shade properly. Some of them have uh, the proper uh, mechanics so they, are, they get the right shade and make a kind of a greenhouse effect. And so, um, but anyway, it's just, a, um, you know, they're planted and sometimes we have to plant ourselves in God's presence. The title of this section is Don't Leave His Presence. I believe that's what it was. But just, you know, uh, stay in God's presence. And we have to, we, you know, the Bible says labor to enter in his rest. Labor and rest sound like two opposites. The re We can rest in God's presence. We can rest trusting God. But sometimes we have to labor to get into that position. You know, a farmer, once once he plants his crop and he, he's, he's got the, the uh the, the watering system all set up and everything, he can pretty much rest until it's harvest time. I mean, he might have to do something, some maintenance throughout the, the, the season of the, 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 uh, the growing season, but he has to labor to get to that point of rest. He has to plant that seed. He's got to plow that ground. He's got to do what he's got to do. Occasionally, I know uh, this goes against those who are get, uh, organic, but sometimes he has to, you know, do pesticides and stuff to, to keep the bugs off, you know. Uh, it just depends on, you know, a good farmer knows how to take care of his crops. But, they're, they're, you know, he, but he's also not stressing to get the, if he does his farming right, he, uh, he doesn't have to stress for that crop to produce. It's going to produce on its own. And so it just, it's going to do its job because God's already commanded that seed to produce after its own kind. And so uh, that's Genesis 1:11. And so um, you know God. And so, but there's a labor to get in that rest. You know, there's sometimes where, especially when things are going wrong. Sometimes I, sometimes we get a bunch of bad news. Sometimes we have to learn how to detox from this world, and 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 get refreshed and get re, rejuvenated and get back and and how how do we? What's the best way to do that? Get back in His presence. Sometimes you know, there's sometimes where. I've been lately. I've been really busy working on a website for my business and different things. And so, uh, yesterday we actually went out and did, did just got out, just got a, for me to get out of the house, you know. And I realized how out of shape I was, but at the same point in time, you know, it, we went on a little hike. Uh, so, but it was just it was just refreshing to be out there, uh, watching the sunset and different things of all God's beauty. But sometimes we have to learn how to get away, and just shut things out down and and uh, whatnot and there's a time to be busy and there's a time to relax and and we need both and uh and sometimes there's busy seasons and sometimes there's slow seasons and sometimes i get too antsy if it's too slow for too long sometimes i get burned out if it's too busy too long uh and i i know I, I get off some tangents but uh you know uh, for you know, I mean, you know, I mean, we're talking about faith here, and we're talking about the knowledge of God and different things. But you know, sometimes I we're ministering to some people. Uh, we were ministering one one guy last night on the phone. Uh, you know, uh, they've been going through a long battle uh, with some sickness in their family, and uh, you know, and sometimes through the longevity, you can just get tired. You, in a sense, you're it's it almost seems like your faith gets tired. You know, you get tired of holding on. Aaron, Moses got tired holding his hands up as Joshua fought the battle. He had to have Aaron and her. I don't think, if it wasn't for Aaron and her, I don't think uh, Joshua would have won that battle. That that battle was won because of Aaron and her, who kept Moses' arm up so Joshua could win the battle, so Israel could be safe and victorious. You know, sometimes we just need Aaron and her to lift our hands up. But, you know, because sometimes we get, we know what to do. We know the right answers. We know to stay in faith. We know to, to worship. We know to be a part of the body of Christ. But sometimes we just get tired in doing good. We grow weary in doing good. Paul talks about that in Galatians. Don't grow weary in doing good. But sometimes we need <coughs> the body of Christ. We need a brother or sister to spur us on to good deeds. Sometimes we just need encouragement. Sometimes we just need to know somebody's there. 
you know, and it just that sometimes can be do it for me, you know. Just uh, it just gives me that little momentum. The the okay, don't give up. We watched a movie the other night. Some of you've seen it, Overcomer. And uh, long story short, his dad recorded. Uh, they had his dad re who recorded uh, her. She's a cross country runner, and just guided her through that through that that through that run to the championship race. And he told her when to take it easy, when to kind of take it easy and keep a pace. And then sometimes when he, you know, I know your legs are going to hurt, your lungs are going to hurt, but push, push, push. This is your time. And so, but there was coaching going on. She wouldn't have won that race, I don't think, if it wasn't for him coaching her. Uh, she had to do the work. She had to, she had to either comply with what he's coaching her to do or not comply. She had that choice. But he was encouragement, you know. And at, at the finish line, there was loved ones uh, who were cheering her on. But right, right in the middle of the field, she couldn't have that. But luckily, she was able to have that audio device to, to, to keep her going. Sometimes we need that. That's what pastors are for. That's what the body of Christ is for. Uh, we need one another. And I being isolated is dangerous. And so uh, being in the world, you know, we're talking about not leaving his presence. But, you know, all, we've seen so many people through the years being isolated from the body of Christ. And I know sometimes we got to get away. I understand that. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about in the long run, uh, overall, we need one another. And sometimes somebody needs you. Maybe you're going okay, or maybe you have your own set of problems. But sometimes, you you know, someone can need you to be their shoulder, to be their her, to be their Aaron. Uh, you know, I know this is not so much what we're talking about, but we're here. And so I just, uh, you know, we got to trust the Lord. But God can also... As we're trusting the Lord, God can bring a Jonathan in your life. God can bring uh, Aaron and her, her in your life. Sometimes we need that. That's just the beauty of how God does it, you know. And uh, and so and there's been times when Sherry and I, even pastoring, we've asked Lord, please send send another couple to encourage us. And we have some people in our lives and different things. And so I don't know how I'm going to understand it, but it's just uh, you know. There's different things that we need to just stay in the faith. But I know sometimes in the midst of the battle, in the sense it seems like our faith can get tired, just like a cross-country runner, we can get tired of running the race. You know? And we can give all the excuses. This gal in this movie, she had asthma. She had every excuse in the book not to even do it. But she, uh, you know, and people would not have, not have scolded her. But she did it. And she overcame. She had some, she had some emotional issues now with her dad and whatnot. And I know I'm not sharing the whole story because I want you to watch the movie. <laughs> so by the same point in time, you know, we, we sometimes just need uh, different things that God's put in our life, including God's Word, spending time with Word. Sometimes we need to just sit still and be know, know that He's God. And uh, we just need to be reminded He loves us, He's for us. And, uh, you know, as someone was asking me yesterday, I felt like God's doing me, telling me to do this. What do you think? I said, well, if God's telling you to do something, do it. <laughs> Uh, you know, and I, I mean, it sounds so simple, but sometimes we just need that uh, affirmation and whatnot. So anyway, you want anything to share? Yeah, I, I, I always, um, I, my ears always perk up when it talks about God's presence. Um, and it was neat today, uh, Dave started a new series about the Holy Spirit and he brought out that, that let me back up. He started out in the Old Testament talking about the different temples, Solomon's temple that was supposedly the most beautiful temple. Um, and then when it was rebuilt and the people were discouraged because it didn't look like the temple uh, back in Solomon's day. Uh, but, the, but the word of the Lord came to them to say, hey, there's going to be a time when uh, the, the glory of this, Ladder temple. Ladder temple is going to outshine by far Solomon's. And then Dave brought us to the New Testament, where in the new covenant of God, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God's presence, God lives in us. Emmanuel, God with us. And so God's presence is always here with us, in us. And when people say, like, draw near to God or... God seems distant. God hasn't changed. He hasn't moved. 
he is here in us, but sometimes here and even our heart has uh, drawn away from God. And I always love the Jeremiah passage that Dave read because I know in my own life, my own ex example, my own walk with the Lord, when I am so single-minded focused on God, prayers get answered. And it's not because I'm striving to do the right thing to get God to, to move to answer it. It's just I am like that person that is that tree planted by the water whose mind is so focused on God that I can't see all the crud that life's uh, bringing or trying to toss in my face. And whether it be health stuff or whatever it is you know you go through in life, when you're so focused on God and His presence, that all falls away. Um, all, all the problems and you just you see God for who he truly is and you and you see answer to prayer and it's it's the it's the most awesome thing to know that that God will never leave or forsake us and he promises how many times in his word that he's never gonna leave us or forsake us uh, which brings me to the verses that you know whenever we talk about God's presence my mind immediately goes to Exodus 33 because Moses and God are having this conversation and uh, let's see where do I want to start um, I'll, I'll start in verse 14 so Moses and God are, are speaking and God says my presence will go with you and I will give you rest then this is Moses's response which I'm laugh I always laugh over because God just said this then Moses uh, then he said to him God if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Well, God just said, my presence is with you. But Moses is like, I'm not going anywhere unless you're with me. And, and I just love that because Moses himself knew that God was his all in all. And there's no purpose in life if God wasn't with him leading the children of Israel that God has specifically chosen as a people unto himself. And now we are um, part of that chosen people because we are the, the new Jerusalem. Now, and I, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but Dave read a verse this morning that really hit my heart in Haggai chapter 2, uh, verse 5. It says, According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. God covenanted this word that he would be with us. And God keeps his word above anything else. I mean, if God says it, it's, it's a done deal. And it's just, it's such strong language that God is saying that he's saying, according to the word that I covenanted with you, uh, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. I mean, that is to me just strong language and God is just reaffirming his presence with us. You know, also when I think of his presence, uh, there was a time where the Ark of the Covenant was captured and David was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. Now they weren't transporting it the, the correct way and so it began, to, it began to fall off the cart. It wasn't supposed to be on the cart. <laughs> But anyway, it was, and so uh, one of his men died because he reached out and touched the ark. The ark represented God's presence, but it also represented God's covenant with man. David was upset with God because the man died doing a noble thing. Uh, um, but and so he was upset with God. So he he got upset with God. So he stuck the ark of covenant in Obed's house, and. Uh, and while the Ark of Covenant was in Obed's house temporarily, while David was kind of cooling down, cooling off, and being upset, uh, put it in, in a simple format, it says that Obed, Obed's house was blessed. They were blessed, and just not because of anything they did, but God's presence was there. God's presence just blessed his house. I'm like, bring it in my house. I mean, let's do this. Uh, you know, and so it, it speaks to me of God's presence. He says in his presence is fullness of joy. Uh, you know, his presence is our life. And so um, there, and there's also an intimate time where 
Uh, normally Moses went to the tabernacle of meeting, but Joshua went in with him one time. And the Shekinah glory was resting on in that place, and, and Moses had got up and left, but Joshua just lingered in God's presence. I love that. It's probably one of the most intimate scriptures I know, uh, where Joshua, he's a warrior. Well, Joshua's a warrior, but he's just lingering in God's presence. And so, you know, God's presence is it's 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 it's, it's uh, very needful. And there's times where I would go on. I don't have done this in a while, but uh, I used to just go on walks and no agenda, no even. I don't even know where I'm going to walk to. I'm just walking, enjoying a walk with God. Uh, you know, sometimes it's worship. Sometimes it's getting into the Word. Sometimes it's just uh, again going on the walk because I'm. I'm such an active person. I can be such an active person if I'm walking. I'm doing something actively, so my mind can be on Him. And it's hard for me just to sit and think about God. So if I really just want to meditate on God, I usually need to go for a walk because then I can meditate a lot easier that way, or go for a drive sometimes. Uh, but uh, uh, there was something else I was going to say along those lines, but I can't remember what it was. So be God's presence, you know, and that's the that's the best place to be. That's the best place to go. But sometimes, you know, uh, even then we need sometimes some help to get into that presence. Uh, whether that be worship, whether that be the body of Christ. But sometimes that means, sometimes, like with Jesus, he just needed to get away from the people uh, for the night and, uh, and spend some time with his dad, you know. And there's, give me, you know, there's a time to be isolated with God and there's a time to come together at the body, you know, uh, uh, you know, and so we, we, we need to prioritize that too. But sometimes we, you know, uh, so we just need to, we just need to know both and we need, we need both. Uh, we can't, uh, and so it can't be just always you and God and no people and it can't always be, uh, all the people and no time, no time with you and God. You need to have both. Um, but, uh, uh anyway, so, uh, can you have anything else? No. Okay. Let's go to chapter seven, God's goodness in ministry. Most of us are more conscious of our sin than we are of God's goodness, and unfortunately, it is most obvious when we are trying to minister to someone. All Satan has to do is bring up some failures, say, God's power won't work for you because you haven't been good enough, and we're defeated. Most Christians will immediately agree with the devil, believing God moves in our lives in proportion to our performance. The moment they agree with that thought, they are doomed for failure because their performance is never going to be good enough to earn the covenant blessings from God. When I stand up in front of people to minister, in their eyes, the responsibility is almost always on me to see their needs met. That could overwhelm a minister very easily. Actually, that's an error on the people's part because it has to be God who heals their bodies and saves their marriages. My performance could never be good enough to force God to supernaturally meet all of the needs of mankind. I haven't been in the ministry very long, and yet I could name dozens of people right now whom I've preached my heart to and shared the word of God with, but they're dead today because they didn't take advantage of the truth I presented. There are a lot of people whom the word of God could have set free, but they didn't take it to heart. I'm not trying to prophesy this, but there are people who will read this book and let what I've said go in one ear and out the other. They won't take it into their hearts and renew their minds with the truth of God's word, and they will die stained in their old way of thinking and believing. I'm not saying that as a bad confession. I'm po just pointing out what Mark 4 says in the parable. When the sower sows the word, it falls on all kinds of soil and it won't take root in some people. Jesus said in Matthew eleven fifteen, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. It's true that some people don't allow themselves to really hear the word of God. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, that Satan is going about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And some people who will read this will let, still let Satan devour them. That's not God's will. And that is why, when I know I'm dealing with people's lives, I'm going to make the effort to get the point across clearly. For a minister, the responsibility to perform gets heavy sometimes. This has been true in my own life, and I believe the same is true of most of the ministers I have known. At first you start thinking, Oh God, I have to have your anointing. 
So you start fasting, praying, and doing the right things. But there's a tendency to do them with the attitude of, God, I'm doing all these things, and now I know you'll anoint me. You can begin, you can begin trusting in what you've done instead of trusting in God. The irony is, regardless of how much you've done, Satan can just prick your conscience in some area where you aren't perfect, and there goes your faith that God will come through for you. If your confidence is in your own goodness, Satan can defeat you regularly. Satan can send people you can hardly stand across your path and get them to say something that really gets to you. You have, you have thoughts of sin toward them, and right after Satan has set you up with that situation, he will say, You old scum of the earth, what makes you think God would use you in ministry? What makes you think God would, would use you to save or heal anybody? When I first started in ministry, I used to think God was going to use me according to how I performed. Every time I saw a failure in myself of any type, I lost all of my faith to pray for people. I thought, oh God, how could you use me? And for the, most people, that's probably the way they still think. All right, we're, I know we're just barely getting started here in chapter 7, uh, talking about, again, um, God's, goodness. God's goodness in ministry. Now, ministry, some of you might be reading out, I'm not a minister. Yes, you are. If you're a believer, you are. Uh, we're all able ministers in the New Covenant, Second uh, Corinthians 3, 6. And so, um, and that's the way I see you. Uh, you, know, you know, you might not be a, I'm not saying we're all pastors, we're all evangelists, we're all apostles or, or teachers or whatnot, but we're all ministers. Some of you minister to your family, some of you minister uh, just your circle of friends, uh, your, your people in your life. Um, you know, but we're all ministers. We're all here to serve one another. We're all here to minister to one another. Uh, uh, John, I think it's John who says it. Uh, we're, no one's an island to themselves. Uh, uh, I know sometimes we want that, uh, and you know, uh, uh, but but uh, we need one another. But uh, one of the points that I think Andrew's making here is that you know, we're ministers. Where we think that God's going to anoint us, to use us, based on our performance. And that, not, nothing can be further from the truth. It's not based on you. It's based on His grace. It's based on His nature. It's based on His goodness. It's based on His faithfulness. It's based on Him, not you. And when you're trusting you, you're just quenching the Spirit. When you're trusting Him, relying on Him, resting in Him, looking to Him like Moses was for His presence, God will use you. And so, but when you are thinking that you earned God to use you. You've earned his presence. You've earned his spirit. You're, you're focused on you. And, um, you know, and, 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 and you're actually quenching that spirit. There's been times I've ministered as a pastor in the flesh. I know I'm doing it in my own strength. It, it doesn't have the same result. But then there have been times where, I mean, there have been times where I'm going through something very hard, very emotional. And I, there's been times where I didn't want to minister that Sunday. Uh, I mean, before and afterwards, I was weeping and crying or, or whatever. I didn't feel like ministering. Uh, so I knew I was not up to par. And some of those were my best messages. Because I wasn't relying on me. I was totally relying on God. There was times I said, Lord, I don't even want to get up and speak. And no one was making me, <laughs> in one sense, in the flesh. You know, uh, but I knew that God wanted me to. And, uh, and those have been sometimes one of the most powerful messages I've had because it was all God and not me. And uh, I mean, I wish every Sunday was that way. Not that I was struggling every Sunday, but I wish every time I was like that. But I, I know there's been times where I haven't, you know. You know, and so um, it just, uh, God is going to use you because of his grace. Because yes, of your willingness, he can't use you if you're not willing. He's not going to, he can't use you if you're not willing to participate. You know, if you're not a willing vessel for him to use, he can't use you. Uh, you know, um, so you, there is a part of pride in that. But our boast is not in us, our boast is in him. You know, if there's any good I've done in this ministry, it's because of God's grace and his goodness, not me. Now, at, at times where there's been times I've I thanked the pastors in my life, I thanked the ministers, I thank Andrew, I thank different people for obeying God, and then so in a sense there is a sense of appreciation. Don't get me wrong, 
I am thankful for the people in my life who have been obedient to God to minister to me and, 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 and do the things God called them to do. But all the glory goes to God. But I thank them for responding. I know it's not it's God in them and through them that's ministering. It's not them by themselves. Uh, you and you minus God equals nothing. <laughs> but you plus God is everything. It, it, it's always God. But God needs a vessel. Yes, He needs a willing vessel that God will use. You have something you want to add, sure? Uh I do. I I haven't uh, found it yet. Um, it it just brought back uh, this morning's message. You know, Dave was talking about the Holy Spirit, but he he also brought out that. Um, well, I I I can basically quote Romans one sixteen about the the power is in the gospel. Um, Paul says, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for in it is the power of God of God to him who believes." To him who believes. Thank you. Uh, but there was also another verse, and I, I didn't have time to, to look through it, but Dave made a point that the, the greatest power, um, there's nothing more powerful than the gospel. And if we're thinking that any sort of healing, any ministry that we do for other people is through us, uh, we fall short. You know, that's not where the power is. It's all through who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. The, the power is in the gospel. The gospel, this is, G Jesus w was born for us. He went to the cross for us. He, he died for us. He was buried. He rose again, and he's ascended on high. That's the power of the gospel. It's all what Jesus has done. Jesus became sin so that we would become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's all because of Jesus, all what he did. So when we went to, to Karis and they were doing ministry training, they made a very valid point. Um, I don't know if that's the right word I'll use, but it, it, they made such a deep point in this. If you're praying for someone and they get healed, it's not because of you. If you're praying for someone and they don't get healed, it's not because of you. The... I think I'm saying it yeah, right. We can't take credit we when they get healed, and we can't take credit when they don't get healed. Exactly. It's not us taking the credit. Jesus is the one whose stripes we are healed by. You know, so the all of all of this that 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 Andrew's gearing us for is it's not based on our performance. Yes, we do things out of gratitude because of what Jesus has done for us, but it's because of that joy in us that Dave quoted just a little bit ago um it's just you know i w earlier dave talked about you know when you're in a relationship and you're in that honeymoon that that love stage where you're just you can't see straight you're what's that in in the movie the old uh animated bambi you're twitter pated uh, and Bambi and Thumper are all jumping around and I mean they have hearts in their eyes they just that they can't think straight because they're in love and that's how it was uh, when I fell in love with Dave I, I mean my mom would be like this in front of my face and all I could think about was Dave she said I was no of no use because I, I couldn't think straight you could ask me a question and I had no answer because I didn't hear you because all I was thinking about was was Dave and I just I just I mean I I don't know where my mind was is up in the clouds I was so in love or I forget my I know point. it's good stuff though <laughs> <laughs> I forget my point but it, it's all about God and my performance is not what gets people healed my performance is not what gets God to move Yes, we do things in obedience, and yes, we do things because we need to get the knowledge of God in us so that we can we can live uh, how God wants us to. But the, this uh, this concept that Andrew's getting at is it's God's goodness. It is just God's goodness and mercy that we are to rely on. That um, he he's getting that that focus off uh, like that that verse in Jeremiah that that Dave was reading in Jeremiah 17, you know, the, the, what the cursed man thinks of anything but God, the, the, the blessed man 
It's all about God. It's not what the blessed man is doing to to receive or to be blessed. It's all about God. Yeah. You know, the word, the faith is a noun. It's not a verb. Now, there is a, there is a verb form called believing. But faith is a noun. When it says the just should live by his faith, that word is a noun. A noun is, an, uh, is, a, is a person, place, a thing. And a, a faith has to have an object. And so uh, you don't do faith. Uh, you believe in something or in someone, uh, what they said. Now, there is a, there is a verb form, and, and that, that comes into play, too. But, uh, you know, uh, I want to piggyback on one more thing that Andrew says. You talked about, you know, um, you talked about everyone who hears, and not everyone's going to listen to what he's saying. Not everyone's going to apply everything we're talking about. You know, when you do sales, and I've only done a little bit of sales, you know when you're marketing, you're going to get more no's and yeses. It takes, there's, a, there's actually a formula out there. You, get, you need so many no's to get a yes. And you know you're going to have actually more rejections than you will have uh, sales, usually the case with sales. Uh, not everyone, when you market, you're not going to get everyone that's going to call and, and call, call, call you up. Obviously, you want the more, you want the more the merrier. But we also know, we all, I also know as a pastor, I know as a minister, not even just taking pastoring aside, just as a minister like all of you, um, not everyone's going to listen. Not everyone's going to apply everything I teach and, or, or we teach or you teach, you know. Uh, and I, that's not a put down. And not, we're not, again, like Andrew, we're not trying to prophesy. But, but there is something that Jesus said more than once, that everyone who has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. And, uh, you know, uh, yes, this, and the parable of the sower gives it out very clearly. The seed is going to fall on different kinds of hearts. It's going to fall on different kinds of soil. And depending on your soil, depending on your heart, it's, it's going to be the determining factor whether the seed of God's word is going to be received and how it's going to be fruitful. Some of, it, some of you, it may spring up right away, but there's no root system. And I'm not trying to speak into. I'm not trying to speak negative, but I want to. I, I'm trying to speak positive. I want to be the good seed, and the good seed heard the word and understood it. We're called to be disciples, and the disciple is a disciplined learner. You don't discipline. You don't. You can't be disciplined in something unless, uh, without some labor, without some work. You know, uh, I, lo I love it when the Olympics come around and different things, and you see all those athletes doing their, 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 their thing. They train night and day for that performance to get that medal and whatnot. They didn't just overnight, and it, didn't, it wasn't just uh, uh, they rolled out of bed one day, I'm going to become Olympian. No, they had to start at a young age and, and train and, and, and get to the point where they were. There was a lot of discipline involved to get that. Uh, most people who've been successful in some some careers have been disciplined. A good farmer is going to be disciplined. They get up at a certain hour and, and do his thing. You know, a, a good parent, a good mom, a good dad is going to be disciplined in doing them things. School, when you go to school, you got to be good disciplined and good workers. Even though we're well disciplined, doesn't, our trust is still can be in the Lord. But at the same point in time, there is a discipline. I want to, you know, it, in any relationship, it takes effort. If you're going to be a good spouse, it's going to take effort. If you're going to be a good parent or grandparent, it's going to take effort. If you're going to be a good friend, it's going to take effort. If you're going to be a good employer or a good employee, it's going to take effort. Those who are complacent, those who uh, uh, you know are lazy, it, sh it will show in the friendship. It will show in the relationship. It takes effort to encourage one another and spur one another on and but we're called the bible john paul says we are to bear one another's burdens that's effort <laughs> you know it can be an effort emotionally you know and whatnot but the, to me the dividends are worth it. if i can see a life change because i can minister to them it was worth it and so uh you know um I know I can get a lot of different tangents. I know we're talking about, you know, we're barely getting into chapter 7 here, which is talking God's goodness and ministry. But I know that I know it's His goodness. Like, it, it enables me to work. I'm working on a website right now. I'm working on trying to get a new business going. And it's taking a lot of effort. Yeah, you know, and so 
Um, but I know I'm trusting the dividends will be will be there. But I'm, more importantly, I'm trusting God. And I think God has given me the grace, the knowledge, to know what I'm even doing and, and to be able to, to, to do it and whatnot. God's my source. And everything I do, I do it unto the Lord. At least I want that to be my attitude. I want that to be the case. And so it's His goodness. And we're, we're going to get into this a little more deeper. Um, what, how, time, how much time we, we got? Ten minutes. Okay. Do you want to, how big is the next section? Promises, promises. Let's see if we can read that. Leave on a little different note. All right. Promises, promises. Early in my ministry, I had a desire to minister effectively, yet I was totally frustrated because I was doing all of these things I had just described to get God to use me. I remember going to a Bible study one night when I was pastoring a church in Colorado. I had determined earlier that I was going to fast, pray, and study the Word all day long because I felt I needed to. It had been days since I spent much time studying the Word because I was spending all my time ministering to other people. So I had set aside that day to fast, pray, and study the Word. People who wanted prayer came by my house from morning till night. I prayed, but not in my personal relationship with God. It was totally geared toward other people all day. I didn't study the Word like I planned. I didn't have a single minute all day long to spend in the Word. I read the Word, but to other people. A man I had been trying to lead to the Lord came by and wanted to take me out to lunch. I knew that was God's will, so I went out and ate twice as much as I normally did, even though I'd planned to fast, and I witnessed to this man. That day, I broke every one of the promises I had made to God. On the way to Bible study, it was a 45-mile drive, I was feeling terrible. I said, God, I broke every promise I made to you. Then Satan jumped right in and started reminding me of scriptures. Satan can quote scripture to us just like he did to Jesus in the wilderness. He began to remind me of scriptures that say things like, It's better not to make a vow than to make a vow and not pay it. And all liars will have their part in the lake of fire that burns with brimstone. Ecclesiastes 5, 5 and Revelation 21, 8. I was having all of these thoughts and feeling so low that I said, God, how could you ever use me? See, I was thinking God was going to use me only to the degree I had performed. I was trying to overcome all my failures, so I finally started playing on his mercy by saying, God, if you won't do it for me, do it for these people I'm going to minister to. What about these people? Don't let them miss out on your anointing just because I was a dud all day. After praying a while, finally I said, Oh God, just do it because of who Jesus is. As soon as I said that, the Lord spoke to me and said, Who did you think I was going to do it because of? <laughs> I honestly thought God was going to use me because of what I was planning to do that day. Suddenly it dawned on me that God never used me because of what I had been doing. He used me in spite of my performance. God has never had anybody qualified working for him yet other than Jesus. Anybody who gets anything from God gets it by His grace, and knowing that set me free. Nowadays, if Satan comes to me and says, Andrew, you're the sorriest thing on the face of the earth. What makes you think God will use you? Instead of arguing with him and trying to justify myself, I just say, guilty, but praise God for Jesus. I tell the people about who Jesus is, and if they need healing, I'll pray for them in the name of Jesus. They'll get healed through who Jesus is. Do you know that I've seen more manifestation of the power of God since I've changed my thinking than I ever saw when I was trying to earn it? Does that mean I go out and live a sloppy, sinful life? No, but I am not using my holiness as the basis of my relationship with God, being used by God, or receiving from God. I'm hoping you're starting to see how this falls into the true nature of God. You know, some of our perception of who, who God is has robbed us in ministry, has robbed us from receiving from God, has robbed us from living a holy life, from living a godly life. Because we're trying to perform, we're thinking that God is doing everything in our life based on our performance when it's all based on what Jesus has done. Does that mean we live a sloppy life and sinful life? No. But it's not based on us, it's based on Him. 
God loves the world more than you do. God love wants to save your loved ones more than you do. God wants to, God, you know, but, but uh, there's also a principle, uh, you know, how are they going to hear unless someone preaches? How are they going to know unless someone sows the seed and unless someone shows them and teaches them? You know, uh, I think of the example of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. The angel told Cornelius to go to get to go get Peter uh, so he could preach the gospel to him. And God sent an angel to, to Peter three times so he would go to Cornelius' house. Why didn't the angel just preach the gospel? Because that's our job. It's man's job. It's not the angel's job to preach the gospel. It's man's job to preach the gospel. It's man's job to lay hands on the sick and they'll see they'll be recovered. It's our job to minister to one another. I'm not saying angels can't minister to a certain degree. They can. They minister to Jesus. And, and there's some other examples where they ministered. They ministered to Abraham. Uh, they ministered to different situations. But, you know, uh, it's not based on our goodness. It's based on his goodness. It's based on his promises. All the promises of God are yes and amen to the glory of God by us. We always forget that by us part. God works through us. God works through his people. We are the temple. We're studying this on Sunday morning. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God works through us. God has sanctified us by the cross. And now he's filled us with his spirit, with his glory, so he can use us. If God didn't sanctify us by his spirit and by the cross, he couldn't use us. He couldn't fill us. But he gets all the glory. We didn't do any of that. All we did is heard the gospel and believe the gospel. But if we didn't believe the gospel, he couldn't use us either. But it's by his grace. Uh, and so uh, it's all by his grace. There's something else there. You know, um, he also says something too, uh, and I'll close with this. There's nobody qualified working for him yet. Yeah. <laughs> and I, that's a little humbling. <laughs> you know, it might, might go against some people's theology. But none of us are qualified. We all deserve hell. We all deserve a life without God. If there's any good in our lives and our ministries, it's because of His goodness. It's not, and praise God by His goodness, He's cleaned some of us up. He's cleaned our attitudes up. He's cleaned our language up. He's cleaned our lives up. But it's all been by, by His grace. It's all been by His mercy. It's all been by His goodness. It's not because you were, uh, nope, it was, you, you were all, you were worth dying for. Even when you were alienated from God, you were in your sin, you were worth dying for. And he and you were worth cleaning up so he could use you. But he get, he still gets all the glory. But praise God. Uh he, he can use us. He can he can use you. He can use you. Uh, you know, and so uh, anyway, we'll we'll get into more of that. Lord, we just worship you. We magnify you. Lord, uh, I pray your blessing on this new year as we go into 2021. I know 2020 was not so good for a lot of us. But we're not looking in the rearview mirror. We're looking through the windshield. We're looking what's ahead, not what's behind. <clears throat> but we thank you that you have crowned this new year with your goodness. And we worship you. We magnify you. Lord, I pray that you take us, each of us, and I don't care how long we've been walking with you, whether it's been for 10 minutes or 10 years or uh, a lifetime. I pray that this, uh, this year would, our relationship with you individually would grow into a deeper, more intimate relationship with you than we have ever known. You, Lord, I just thank you that it would just go deeper in our relationship with you. That's my prayer for everyone who's listening. That everyone has ears would hear what your spirit is saying to them. That you would lead us by your spirit. That you would lead us by your word. You would lead us by your voice. We would hear a voice behind us that says, this is the way, walk ye in it. Lord, we would know you. And we would know what to do, when to do, how to do it. Even if we need to believe in you for the miracle, for the supernatural resources to do what you call us to do. But we would live a life of faith walking by faith and not by sight because of our relationship with you. Especially in these last days, especially at the days to get evil, I pray that we would grow closer and closer and closer to you. Lord, you said you would you'd draw close to us. 
and you are near the brokenhearted and those who are contrite in spirit. Lord, we worship you, we magnify you, we speak blessing on the rest of this week, on the rest of this year, we got four days left in it. And I thank you that they will be blessed. The latter, the latter will be better than the former. In your name we give you thanks. We thank you for our country. We pray for our president and our leaders. And we thank you for your justice to be done in this country. In your name we give you thanks. Amen and amen. All right, God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday just before we go into, we'll see you one more time in 2020 before we go into 2021. All right, blessings.